The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. I'm just burning a bit of sage here then so that I'm just kind of purify anything that could be incriminating. Just get rid of it. You're going to need a lot of sage to purify this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, it's healthy, but it's also a lot of fun. Broadcasting to the world from inside her closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Philipson. It's a scary time of year as Halloween approaches. And when I say scary, I'm not just talking about the ghouls and the dressed up scary clowns. I'm talking about the sugar overload that's unleashed at this time of year that often continues right through to January. (laughs) Those resolutions that happen of eating better, ditching the sugar and hitting the gym. It's the most wonderful time (laughs) of the year. (laughs) Yes, well, you're experiencing it, but the aftermath not so much so and yes it's right now it's the end of october but whenever you're listening to this episode or you're listening to the show my nutritionist self loathes this time of year because during the past 22 years in practice i can truthfully say that this overload of sugar increases so many symptoms like sniffles and colds and flus to bloating diarrhea constipation ibs acne can flare up kids or anybody really gets their eczema patches well they just go a bit bonkers and i see mood worsen energy aka your blood sugar balance look like a roller coaster ride that just perpetuates the need for more treats but there's another aspect to what's called the food of the gods aka chocolate. This transformation from cacao, the bean itself, to chocolate bar that you buy in the supermarket differs dramatically to the social enterprise of small batch bean to bar artisanal chocolate. Now I hear from clients and people looking for a good excuse to have a just a good old candy bar that well chocolate's good for you. Someone said that and of course I've got a cheeky grin going on at the same time. But all chocolate is not created equal. Sure, there's some benefits to chocolate, some really healthy, good benefits. And I'm talking about the dark variety here, people. That's not your Twix or your Kit Kat or whatever you just, you know, unwrapped with that plastic wrapper. Sure, there's specific aspects to chocolate that are, in fact, really good for you. Like it provides antioxidants called flavonoids. You know, I don't want to talk about superfoods and antioxidants all the time on this podcast. They can play a role in cancer prevention, heart health, and even weight loss. And cacao and therefore chocolate contains something called theobromine, and that can help with inflammation that contributes to high blood pressure and the increased risk of stroke. There's minerals like copper, iron, magnesium, to name a few, that you get every single time you take a bite. Then there's also the other aspect that can be really scary about chocolate, and that's the ethical standards and practices involved in growing, farming, and its production. Now, it's a completely loaded topic, and I have an energetic and passionate guest today to help us know more. So today on Eat This with Leanne, the good and the scary about chocolate with guest Michael Sacco from Chocosol Traders here in my hometown of Toronto. Whoa, awesome. (laughs) Remember that as consumers, every single time you spend money on something, it's like you're voting for that product and all that happens before it sits on the shelf in front of you, making its way to the checkout and then into your home. Can you believe that the chocolate market easily tops $100 billion a year globally And it's growing at a rate of about 5% a year. 
Like that is a staggering number and market share. I'm sure that you've contributed to this number many (laughs) times, you know, and as I said off the top right now, as we head into Halloween and then the Christmas break, sweet intake typically increases just with maybe like a little lull before we get back into it at Easter. Now, I could go on about the scariness of the typical chocolate consumption, and I talked about some of this in episode 49, if you remember way back then, or you've heard that, in For the Love of Chocolate with chocolatier Marie Schlem from the Tao of Chocolate. But in this episode, I'd like to bring on someone who has an incredible passion for all that's behind that bite or that experience of chocolate and someone who knows a lot more than I do about the efficient, responsible use of the natural resources, fair payment to farmers, producers in the spirit of equality, safe and reasonable working conditions, and the cooperation with local communities. So welcome, Michael Sacco, the founder of Chocosoul Learning Community Social Enterprise that started in 2004 in Oaxaca, Mexico, and currently he's the CEO of Chocosoul Traders in Toronto. Now, I am a regular at his market stall where I go to every week buying cacao nibs to put on top of my smoothie bowls. I've got his cacao powder that I blend with blueberries and avocado and some other fruits. Then I top those nibs on top of it. And my kids love his drinking chocolate. And it actually won a gold in the World Drinking Chocolate Awards in 2020 and a gold at the America's International Award in 2019. So he's got, got quite a lot going on here. Now, I've got a great stash of his Chocosol bars just when I happen to feel like a little bit of chocolate. So uh, let's stop drooling about all these things I'm talking about and hear from our guest today. So welcome, Michael, to Eat This with Leanne. Can you tell us about your passion and your work with chocolate? Now, you know, what drew you to this kind of business or just to cacao, you know, in general, really? The most important word I would comes to mind would be serendipity so in 2000 uh i began a master's in environmental studies on a prototype solar technology i was looking at at the university of york uh, in their master of environmental studies program and my goal in that research was to take the solar technology created by an inventor in elmont ontario from the workshop into the world and because it was really ecological and powerful and practical that's what i saw and so as i was doing my research at york i read a zapotec intellectual gustavo steva and he had a book um, on basically on civil society and indigenous groups in mexico that were embodying alternatives instead of just criticizing the norm and i really liked his way of thinking and i connected with him And in 2002, I went to Mexico. I drove down in my Volkswagen van with a solar array strapped to the roof. Uh, Just after 9-11, I was terrified that I'd get stopped at the border and they'd say, hey, what's this thing on your roof? Are you going to try and knock planes out of the sky? I didn't speak a word of Spanish and I went on this big adventure. And one of the things I learned is that oftentimes translation is treason. So I went down there thinking that I wanted to get 100,000 solar arrays working at the grassroots and that the the means by which I was going to do that was this fantastic indigenous civil society network. And it actually turned out to be the exact opposite. The means was the solar concentrator and the ends was getting into meaningful relationships and getting into meaningful Mm -hmm. vocations and intercultural encounters and friendship and conviviality and and bringing the means and the ends back together so they weren't about sacrificing one at the expense of the other. And so when I graduated my master's at York, lived in Oaxaca for a number of years. And in 2003, I was initiated to chocolate making by a Zapotec grandmother named Doña Jacinta in a little Zapotec community. And she taught me her great grandmother's traditional chocolate recipe. And the reason I was interested was I just spent the previous eight weeks in a Zapotec community in the mountains called Santa Cruz de Agavila, solar roasting coffee on the mountainside. 
in a village where most people didn't even speak Spanish. Wow. And so my whole thing at that time was I wanted to show the practicality of this solar concentrator that we called the Fuego Solar, solar fire, because it created a focal point of 1700 degrees Fahrenheit. And we shined it into a box that we heated. It got pretty hot. Let's just say we were roasting (laughs) cacao, right? And the grandmother asked me if I could use my solar roaster to roast the cacao. And I said, yes. But in order to do that, she had to show me A, how to toast it on the traditional Komal and B, what to toast. (laughs) Ah. And so without even realizing it or searching it out, I became part of an initiation to a 500 year old chocolate recipe. Months and months and months later, I was still making chocolate and I didn't know why. (laughs) And I had really no funding. And I was spending my student line of credit that I was still uh, using to do this crazy research. And that's when I realized nobody really wanted to buy my technological solution of the solar concentrator, the solar roaster and the bicycle grinders and everything that went along with that. But everybody wanted to eat my chocolate and drink my coffee. (laughs) It's all all about priorities, Mike. It's all about priorities. (laughs) (laughs) And so the chocolate and the coffee roasted with the pure sunlight, processed with the bicycle technologies, became the vehicle and the vessel through which I was able to really have a dignified living. And I very well could have lived the rest of my life there. And I say this, and it connects to Chocolate Soul, if it wasn't for the beautiful soul that gave Chocolate Soul its name who then was my girlfriend, her name was Jessica Nordahl, and now is my wife and her name is still Jessica Nordahl. <laughs> and she said, let's call it Chocolate Soul because she's Franco-Ontarian and her, her mother and grandparents were from France. But she said, let's call it Chocolate Soul. Soul in Spanish is sun. And soul in English sounds like something that's made with heart. Chocolate Soul was a serendipitous byproduct of a learning journey and set of relationships and deep friendships and mentors and love that became a successful learning community first and foremost. Only years later in 2012 and perhaps in 2020, perhaps only then after we'd survived the pandemic and, and, and shown our resiliency, pivot and make consistent pivots, that we became a successful and resilient social enterprise. And that's where I like to say, yeah, Chocolate Soul is a 20-year overnight success. Wow, what a story. Holy. All right. So let's talk about some of the good chocolate, the good aspects to chocolate of any you know, kind of background, what makes good quality chocolate? What's the difference? Like, you know, even further to health, but the good parts before we get to the dark side. First and foremost, let's start with cacao that is grown with love and cacao that is grown within a forest garden cultural matrix. Cacao in the indigenous forest gardens of Mesoamerica was part of a regenerative agricultural forest garden. And cacao had to grow in a minimum of 30% shade. And so it always grew beneath hardwood shade trees, mid-story jaguar cacao trees, and upper-story mamey trees with vanilla vines climbing up it and achiote trees protecting it and wild turkey and deer finding food throughout the the forest and edible weeds dotting the the city and hardwoods being planted for seven generations later. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I've I've seen this movie, Michael. It's called Willy Wonka. Yes. This, that's, yeah. that's a beautiful picture you paint. <laughs> it's the indigenous forest garden, and it was known as the three pillars, cacao, vanilla, and achiote, but it was really 12 pillars. And it was not reducible to one simple form. It had many, many, many permutations. And in my research, I, I've come to see that the indigenous communities developed a wonderful transition from cutting the forest to planting the three sister, the squash, the beans, and the corn, or the 12 sisters, because there's many other companion crops. And the sustainability of that was intensive. So they had to always be composting and adding back. But only when they unlocked the secrets and the regenerative attributes of soil mounding and forest gardening, did that sustainable agriculture suddenly have a transition through a polyculture regime to a regenerative forest garden. And cacao was the leader 
of that forest garden in the same way that the Mm. maple was the leader of that forest garden in the north. And when you brought the polyculture of the field garden together with the polyculture of the forest garden, that's what I describe as a food basket, an indigenous food basket that created cornucopia. It's a wonderful, abundant word. It's not about scarcity. It's not about being in competition with each other. It's about beauty and it's about beauty and generosity and abundance for all beings, all animals, water, soil, humans, neighbors, family. Then it proceeds to eco-gastronomy. It's got to be good to think. It's got to be good for you from like a mineral perspective. And cacao has so many micronutrients. It's one of, it is the most chemically complex food known to humans. And when you low heat, low shear, stone grind, process that cacao with whole food ingredients, then you create chocolate foods, not chocolate candies, not superfoods. You create chocolate foods and you feed the mind, body, and as we like to say, soil, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's about that cradle to cradle approach. And that includes you eating it, digesting some of it, yeah. And defecating some of it. Right. The packaging has to be compostable. The packaging is part of that. Definitely <laughs> not industrial candy wrappers. I mean, I have a biodegradable biofoil that I've been experimenting with for a Halloween chocolate that's not scary campaign. And the the deal breaker is if our Halloween chocolate little bites that we want people to be able to hand out as good food with like a food literacy exercise built into it, if that chocolate can't be in a biodegradable packet, it can't be a Halloween chocolate that's not scary. Full right. stop. Deal breaker. Right. Boom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so you've gone from like the soil and the growing in the forest all the way to packaging. Now, what about that little cheeky bit in the middle where it hits your mouth? You're looking for chocolate that you want to melt in your mouth. You're looking for the slow biting of that dark chocolate high in resveratrol and epiketchin, finely fermented, finely and slowly dried to allow the acetic acids to volatilize after the fermentation process properly toasted not over toasted because it's like anything a really good ingredient you want to you don't want to change it too much and so cacao in that sense has a terroir and i see myself as a sommelier of cacao <laughs> let me tell you so i suggest the finest cacao origins or blends you want to savor them when they're low 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 sugar or even no sugar, sugar. Yeah. and put aside a glass of your favorite red wine or a glass of your favorite tea or the cleanest water you can find. And you want to really savor that cacao in your mouth, breaking it up with your teeth, but letting the salicylic acid begin the digestion in your mouth and letting the, the, the cacao butter, which catastrophically disintegrates at mouth temperature and therefore becomes the ultimate silky butter of all of nature. Perfectly made for your mouth, basically. Yes. And yes. like like sexy silk sheets on your tongue, carrying <laughs> little, little molecules of delicious antioxidant blood circulatory enhancing cacao flavanols into your tongue, which then becomes activated which then becomes activated and able to taste more deeply anything else. And so really, really good chocolate in that sense and cacao in that sense, roasted cacao in that sense is a really good step in a tasting where you alternate between the cacao and the chocolate and the other tasting because it promotes the blood flow on the tongue and all the pleasure of everything else becomes that much greater. When you think about why cacao is a currency, one of the undoubted reasons was it was the the spice pal excellence because a little bit of cacao in your sauce in your mole put the hole in your mole right <laughs> chris you remember talking about that with with marie in episode 49 when we talked to um marie and uh, she's a chocolatier she talked about that too everything that you've just described is an absolute experience. I buy your chocolate 
all the time. My drawer is got, I don't know, three or four different varieties going on. And when I go and get a piece of chocolate, I am just getting a piece of chocolate. I might get two, but I don't need it. Like I'm not using chocolate in a way I am having it for pure enjoyment because I feel like it, not because I need a sugar hit. I have not taken the red wine out in the middle of the afternoon. Do you allow <laughs> Do you allow it to melt on your tongue like silk, sexy silk sheets, like Michael puts it? I'm telling you, the way Michael describes it, it makes me feel all tingly all over. And I'm not sure if I could just <laughs> rip open a bar of his chocolate in the middle of Zare's. I'd have to go and find uh, quieter places so that I could truly experience the chocolate soul, you know? That is not necessarily what I'm doing as I'm sitting at my desk at work. However, you should. I will quietly do that in my cubicle as I as I do that. But, you know, my favorite right now is the pumpkin seed one. So oh, it's just delicious. It's so, so tasty. OK, so the pumpkin seed one is our Halloween chocolate that's not scary chocolate flavor par excellence. Why is it not scary? First of all, it's made with a locally sourced hullless pumpkin seed called the Kakai pumpkin. The pumpkin seed is locally sourced, but it's also part of the regenerative agriculture because the pumpkin meat is mulched right back onto the field. And wow. because we're, we're able to source the pumpkin seeds and heavily put them in each one, we have a nut-free chocolate. So we can't have nuts. How do we get that more mellowness to the chocolate? Some pumpkin seeds became a way to do that. And mm. then we glaze them in local organic maple syrup and local organic sunflower oil and a touch of salt. And we put it in a compostable package. And there's no child labor in our supply chain. It's all direct from Indigenous producers working family-owned and operated communal land forest gardens. So basically. Wow. That's yeah. like the number Incredible. one zone. We have a little checkbox report card. No child labor. No uh, nuts, dairy, soy, gluten, or animal products, um, compostable packaging, uh, local ingredients, and healthy dark chocolate. Check, 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 check. It's not scary. But then the final stage of it is uh, we have developed a food literacy inquiry-based workshop. And so the kids will come and we'll enroll them in getting the pumpkin seeds out of the pumpkins. And we promise them a a drink of chocolate on our bicycle blender afterwards. Mm -hmm. And when they finish getting all the pumpkin seeds out, then we say, (laughs) you do not get your chocolate drink. We tricked you. And then there's a riot because the kids all want that chocolate drink. (laughs) And we're just joking. We're just joking. So we have to stop it before the pitchforks come out. Michael, you you do not joke about chocolate. Okay. It's a very serious (laughs) thing. (laughs) But it's even what I'm trying to teach them is something serious. And I'm trying to give them an inquiry based understanding of how unfair child labor actually is. Right. And so that is a way that we engage them in a cradle to cradle making project. They can then turn the pumpkin into a jack-o'-lantern. They've got their hands in the pumpkin. They're seeing the materia prima of the seeds. They're learning about the child labor through a reflective exercise and sense of humor. There's a participatory bicycle blending, get that kinesthetic energy out. And then we go to the question, who loves chocolate? And all the kids go, chocolate. Okay. So then you give them all a cacao bean. And you say to them, this is what chocolate is made from. If it doesn't have this in it and it comes from this pod, this pod, you know, it's not chocolate. So everybody smell that bean, peel that bean, and then hold it and look at it. We're all going to taste it in a minute. And so they all do that. And it's like it's kinesthetic and it's tactile and it's olfactory. And it's like you give them the challenge of can they peel it without breaking the seed? Right. It's a little challenge there. And there's an indigenous teaching that goes along with that. And then you give them the bite of the cacao seed that's roasted high quality cacao seed. And like 75 percent of them are like, this is so because It does not taste anything like a typical chocolate bar that they probably ever tasted in their life. And then you teach them the most important thing you can teach them from a health perspective. And that is that what they really love. When they say they love chocolate, it's sugar. 
Right. Yes. However, the dark sides of chocolate. There's one more step in the in the surprise because a really good teaching curriculum in Caribe's teaching curriculum surprises the learner and disarms them in their learning. And so the final step is now that the bitterness has activated their taste buds, it's like you've been in the freezing cold water of right. taste. Then you step back into the brisk fall night and the air feels warm. So then I give them a little bite of the 65% dark chocolate with the pumpkin seeds in it. And it's the best tasting, dark, real chocolate some of them have ever eaten. And now I have given them a new nostalgia in their tongue, in their hearts, and in their good food rituals around all Hallows Eve and the Days of the Dead and a cradle-to-cradle regenerative ecology and teaching tradition that they can deepen year over year. Wow. That's incredible. Wow. What an experience. People who are thinking, okay, can I get my kids into this? And and we know that people are listening to this all over the world as well as, you know, all over Canada and not at the end of October, which is where we are at the moment. So just head over to chocosoul.ca for information about the work. Oh, thank you. I say it again. Chocosoultraders.com. Yep. And uh, we're at 1131 St. Clair Avenue West. And we believe in radical hospitality. It means we don't want your dollars first and foremost. We want your smiles. We want your good hearts. We want your good minds. We want your funny stories. Like this lovely lady who I'm looking at and listening to right now, she comes up to my booth and I say to her, trick or treat. And she says, trick, will you come on my food podcast show? And I'm like, yeah, right? And that's how it starts. <laughs> that's what I do. I come every week to um, um, at the market and then decide on uh, on what I'm going to take home with me. And it's incredible. No way. That's incredible. Wow. This is incredible. All right. So I just want to head back to the bit about the dark side of chocolate. So obviously you brought up about the sugar and the taste buds and that's what, you know, everybody's going for. And you've also mentioned about child labor. So child labor is a, is probably the most uh, horrendous of it, but it's very closely followed by actual deforestation of equatorial Africa's jungles. Okay. Carol Off wrote a book called Bitter Chocolate and, and she really does a par excellence uh, deconstruction of the, the negative political economy of that. So I, I don't want to go too far into that. All I'll say for the listeners who are, are on here is cacao is not native to Africa. It's native to the Americas. Hmm. When the industrial chocolate makers introduced cacao to Africa, they did so because they could more easily exploit it there. And oh. the reason they could more easily exploit it there and extract it there in the in the imperial, colonial, and neo-colonial and industrialist manners was because there was no cultural matrix to form those buttresses of resilience. And so indigenous cacao culture is something totally different. And that's something, the number one way we, we avoid those problems is we try to engage in trade and horizontal trade with, in particular, small producers rooted in indigenous forest garden cultures and cultural matrices. In the context of Africa, because it's so exploited and because there's so many intermediaries and because the price is kept as low as possible, only way that they found to make it viable is by preying on poor families, by preying on their children, by forced labor and coercive methods, by lack of education of those poor children, by abuse and fear and intimidation of those children, by enrolling those children in becoming the future oppressors of others. So they aspire to become the cacique overlord of the other youth in the place and the working relations. And they'll work for 10 years before they actually get to earn anything. But at the same time, um, because it's such a strong central monoculture economy of cacao from Africa, West Africa, something like over 90% of the world's cacao comes from there. Um, 
they're also cutting down forests and planting cacao trees in unsustainable ways in soils that are degraded as a result. And so the regenerative cacao forest garden of the indigenous approach to the Americas becomes actually a stripped down ghost an opposite, a simulacrum, to use an old word, of what it is in Africa. It doesn't mean that it has to be that way. Uh, I wish to God, to all the gods, uh, there's an opportunity to use cacao forest gardens and eco-gastronomy projects and appropriate technology projects to participate in the regeneration of the food baskets and bundles of Africa. So when someone is, let's say they have not had the pleasure of having chocolate soul chocolate when you're going to purchase something how on earth do you know you know however many steps 10 15 more whatever 100 steps there are before you go and buy that bar of chocolate look for stories look for people who have real stories celebrate those stories ask questions of those stories meet the people who are doing the work meet the artisan craft chocolate makers right you know uh, look for the ways that you can buy not just one bar but you can buy a bunch of bars and get a discount go online in the age of covid a lot of the best artisan makers went online and they have great offerings right and then when you find them say it's not available locally talk to your local organic food distributor and say hey i want some of these guys chocolate in here can you guys talk about getting a couple skids at least one per season per year come on get some real cacao chocolate in here a lot of craft makers will never be able to be on an amazon or anything like that if you want to celebrate good chocolate you can't usually look in your big distributor mechanisms. You've got to look for that more local sustainable network system, that farmer's market system, that local organic grocer and distributor that is trying to cultivate those things and able to organically cultivate a relationship with makers who have that kind of relationship. I'll say this. Ontario Natural Food Co-op and Mike and Mike Organics have been wonderful, great supporters of Chocolate Soul just because they have supported us by consistently buying for years and years now. They understand that we are just growing organically and we're not putting a lot of, you know, chemical fertilizer and financing into our social enterprise. And that really trying to keep true to our vision and our mission as we grow requires nuance and it requires presence and it Mm -hmm. requires uh, a lot of dwelling with the questions and the problems, right? It's really, really challenging. Michael, you talked about uh, your resiliency through the pandemic. Have you noticed a slight uptick in, in interest in sales because suddenly we were forced inward and suddenly we were forced to sit down and, and shut up for a little while. And so some of the noise went away. And within that, we were we were able to kind of consciously really start to dissect the the decisions we were making. Uh, And one of those is food. Did you find that there was an interest because suddenly people were online, they were researching, they were looking for something better. Did you see a difference? I can say that just as individuals did that and for decades to come, we'll be understanding how a lot of the phenomena that we're seeing now with like the great resigning and stuff like that yeah. and, and the difference in, in consumer programs that a lot of change happened on the individual level, on the customer and consumer level. But for us, the biggest pers- uh, change was on the organizational level. Mm-hmm. And we had to, we really had to get simpler and more efficient in the way we were organized internally and the way that we, removed all barriers to getting those products out through an online platform Mm. and how that online platform needed to integrate seamlessly with our retail and local food security duties. And we did see ourselves as an essential service, 100%. And testimony to that is we saved a lot of marriages, ironically enough, not through our chocolate, but through our coffee because people couldn't go out and get their coffee. And suddenly uh, we, we saved a lot, you know, a lot of coffee, five kilogram bags. People found themselves drinking not one cup of coffee a day, but 42. And, oh, wow. You know, 
But then late, <laughs> later, the chocolate came on. Yeah. And so one of the things that was actually a boon for us from an ecological perspective was we usually bring our bulk chocolate and red tops to the farmer's market and sell it there. And we really encourage people to bring their reusable containers or their reusable chocolate sold bags. But in the pandemic, we lost that for like almost a year. Right. And so what we did was we offered 10 bar bags online in one package at a way better price than buying them individually with way less packaging. To our joy, we found a big appetite for that kind of purchase of our craft chocolate. Good. And as a craftsman and as craftspeople uh, interested in giving people the best value food and the best value tasting food and the best value pricing gourmet chocolate food uh packaging is such an expensive step for us so putting 10 bars in one bag and giving that to a happy customer who saves 60 40 to 60 percent is a win for us as well and it allowed us to really focus on trying to be more effective in producing chocolate and so when we had 20% of the staff for the first three months of the pandemic and we had 80% of the demand, that's when I had to go back to the drawing board. And so we were able to almost double our chocolate production for the same labor while improving the quality and the food safety of it during the last two years over the course of a series of pivots that actually accumulated to a kind of tacking to use that sailing term because we are under our own power we are a resilient organization you know pivot 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 you're you're not just playing basketball on one toe you're 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 charting a course i'm really grateful to my amazing team and the leadership and the initiative that all of my staff have shown through all of this and i'm really grateful for the good heart and good mind of the choco solista army for ecological regeneration through the vehicle and the vessel of delicious chocolate and coffee (laughs) bullets of revolution. Okay, so you just mentioned the chocolate, you mentioned the coffee. Now I know that you have won an award for your drinking chocolate. In 2020, we won a gold medal at the World International Chocolate Awards World's competition for the first drinking chocolate competition for our category-breaking Jaguar cacao, our patasle. And that's part of almost a 20-year regeneration project of planting the Jaguar trees that I've been honored to participate in with a Chinantec elder in Oaxaca. And so it is a very, very special white cacao bean that is a mid-story shade tree for the red cacao. And in 2019, we won a gold medal in New York at the Bean to Bar Eating Chocolate Awards of the Mm. Americas, Mm -hmm. also for the Jaguar. So the Jaguar is actually the only chocolate to have won gold as both an eating chocolate and a drinking chocolate. Wow. But really what I love about the Jaguar, because in a sense, we're the leaders in its regeneration, and that dates back to my initiation with the chocolate, not because I'm some great chocolate maker, but basically I was a, a fortunate researcher who, who, for reasons that he can't even explain, really got passionate about regenerating and rediscovering the potential of this Jaguar cacao. I think you use, you you may have used the wrong word there, uh, Michael. You said fortunate. And fortunate almost makes me think that you, you sort of tripped over it by mistake. The other word you used in that sentence was passionate. That, to me, is where the success comes from. It's your obvious yeah. passion for what you do. Yeah, passionate yeah. to a fault. And, you know, that same passion can get you making bad jokes that people don't think are funny. <laughs> As I'm sure you're aware, you know. <laughs> Hence and, why I laugh at my own jokes all the time. <laughs> I'm drinking your coffee there. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell us just a bit more about this uh, this Jaguar chocolate before we wrap up. Because it's like, I've seen it. I've tasted it. Gotta say, it's not my favorite. Um, but it's sort of like it's white. It's like not white, caramelly kind of color. Oh, orange. Okay. Like right. a Jaguar. Right. Okay. And, fine. and just for the record, uh, when you the proper way to say jaguar in English is jaguar. <laughs> ah, you got to have the growl going on then. Okay, got it. The village that we get this cacao from is called San Felipe de Leon, and it's a traditional Chinatec community that's been there for over a thousand years. Um, a long time, maybe much longer. It's perhaps the originary place in the world for vanilla. 
as well as cacao, perhaps. There are no lions in the Americas. So San Felipe de Leon, they could only be talking about the jaguar. In Chinantec, the village is called Ye. Okay. And in Chinantec, the jaguar is called Ye Li. But the jaguar cacao is called Ye La. When you get jaguar cacao from the jaguar village, you are truly eating terroir. And the jaguar, grandfather and grandmother jaguar, are seen as the guardians of the forest garden, as the Nawal teachers of the indigenous communities of the Sierra Norte of Oaxaca. And anyone listening that's interested in this, look up Jaguar de Luz and the Oaxaca civil society campaigns around rescuing and saving the Jaguar de Luz to see how they, you know, if this translates into very, very interesting modern day stories. Why are they the jaguars, the guardians, in a sense? Because the jaguars literally hide in the branches of the jaguar cacao trees that hover above the red cacao. And when the toucans and the monkeys and the squirrels come to the cacao orchards to feast their fiendish little teeth upon the ripe fruits of the indigenous community's bounty, the jaguar <laughs> is there to jump upon those beasts and feast upon their flesh and rejoice in the guardianship. I know, like that's maybe too much passion, but that's the basic (laughs) gist of it. It's just really, the beauty of forest gardens is humans interacting with forest gardens create safety belts around forests and should plant 10 to 15% of everything they plant in forest gardens to feed the deer, to feed the turkey, and then those things feed the jaguars, right? Like, so it's about that abundance of all beings. It's not about how much can I extract per acre, agroecologically speaking, in the utilitarian magnificence of the economic world order. I can become rich in 22.2 days if I do this at this scale. Robot, Mm -hmm. completion overlord. Yeah. The circle of life. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Just talk about the chocolate, the jag, jag, jaguar. I can't even do it. Chocolate. That it's not exactly pitiful. right. That was terrible. Sorry. <laughs> it's high protein. It's uh, it's flavorful. It mellows out the red cacao. And I am constantly finding different recipes and ways of including the jaguar cacao, including I'm working on a new seed milk chocolate. So a vegan, high protein, gluten-free, nut-free seed milk chocolate that combines pumpkin seeds, jaguar seeds, and local organic hominy corn seeds uh, into a maple sugar, vanilla salt sweetened seed milk chocolate. And the jaguar is part of that milkiness. And the jaguar was traditionally used in chocolate drinks to add froth and flavor and mellowness because the extra protein lends itself to the frothiness of the drink in the same way that a milk also does. Well, that's I mean, there's so many opportunities, so many opportunities to be able to experience chocolate and all the different ones that I've tried from the vanilla, the vanilla sea salt to the, what's the one with the cherries? That's the one. Yes, that's, I sent that to a great friend of mine in Santa Barbara because that's her favorite. The cacao nibs, they go on all my stuff. I have the cacao powder, all the, just, there's so much. It's so, it's so fun to just be able to, to enjoy and reap the benefits of everything that you are doing. We're We're working on a really cool little concept for Valentine's chocolate that won't break your heart. Aww. And it's a little two from concept with the Mosheri Damour and a few others. One of my favorite ones is when we take our darkness, we do, I embrace your darkness and your light. Oh, that's and, amazing. But also, also, I've got this uh, fun little project I'm working on. And maybe maybe um, it's not right for podcast, but it's it's the Zapatista bunny. And it's about Easter chocolate for ecological renewal. And so this revolutionary Easter bunny quits the ranks of Easter bunnies and he goes on a mission to have ecologically regenerative chocolate. And so he kind of takes this revolutionary approach to Easter 
And uh, it's, love it's it. funny. We, it's we've written tremendous. some fun stories. Wow. I love it. Oh, yeah. Because Easter is my next favorite um, holiday to uh, to Halloween <laughs> on, on from on the nutritionist front. Yes, not so good. All right. Well, let's wrap it up, Michael. With uh, Just tell us where people can find more about you. You've got a tremendous giveaway uh, that people can enter at sproutright.com forward slash chocolate. I'll put all, all that information in the show notes on leannephillipson.com so you can enter that giveaway. But um, but just otherwise, because you've given us so much here and people might like to learn a bit more about you, like you said, find those stories and also purchase your chocolate. Chocolatesoultraders.com is our website. There's lots of content there. My name is Michael Sacco. I have a TEDx water, uh, TEDx Waterloo uh, TED Talk. Uh, as well as a number of other videos. I'm always at the Evergreen Brickworks Farmer's Market on Saturdays. I love it when people come and visit me there. Please bring your mug, your reusable mug, and your refillable container. You know, good questions, good heart, and good mind. But also uh, on our website, uh, look for our tasting tour nights and our virtual tours. And hopefully in the new year, we'll see us getting back to actual uh, chocolate salon nights again at our 1131 St. Clair Avenue West facility and hopefully one day i'll be able to have enough bandwidth to transform that into toronto's first um cacao culture commons and inquiry-based um you know chocolate museum and science center which will is the the design theme really is willy wonka meets science center meets chocolate bar cafe the giveaway is a day of the dead sculpture that we made and it's Mm. uh, for pickup for pickup at our St. Clair location. And for us, Day of the Dead is not a commercial holiday. It is an opportunity to feed a deep hunger that we all have. And that deep hunger is a hunger that's mingled with grief and gratitude for the loved ones and ancestors that we still love that have moved on. Well, that is just a beautiful place to wrap up our discussion today. And thank you so much for bringing your passion and your information to this. And I really encourage listeners to check out all that you've shared with us a little bit more. You know, sometimes all this stuff is just locked up inside of me and without a beautiful group of people like you two to kind of like tickle it out and have fun talking about it and savoring these ideas. uh, My only sadness is that we're doing it remotely and we can't actually sit down and have a chocolate drink together and uh, burn that smudge together. So you both have to come down with your with your mugs in your containers so that I can fill you up with chocolate and love at the Evergreen Brickworks. Oh, okay, well, so I'll, like, I'll, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow, as always. <laughs> Amazing. So who do I ask for? Because on the website, Michael, it says that you are the founder and lead goose. So should I just, <laughs> should I just ask for the lead goose? Is that, will they know who I'm talking about? As lead goose, you set the vision and you start that journey. You then fall in behind the other geese who the only way they're going to learn to take initiatives and leadership is by cutting their beak on leadership. And so then the lead goose is in behind. And what's he doing? What are all the other geese doing? They're honking. Honk, honk. Right. <laughs> and what are they honking? They're encouraging. Well, so quack, quack, quack. to you too. <laughs> <laughs> Any information and details expressed during this podcast can be found at SproutRight.com or LeannePhillipson.com. All right, Chris, like, wow, holy passion. Boy, oh boy, we could just like sit back and sip his drinking chocolate all day long and laugh till our bellies hurt and then just go and experience some more chocolate. Yeah, it was great about him. He's just, you know, he's not even reading from a script, man. It's just, that's coming it's from just within. there. It's just yeah. there on the tip of his tongue with a piece of his Jaguar chocolate. It's so yeah. It's so interesting to listen to. And, and unfortunately, it's a podcast, but we got to see him over Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> and to to see the enthusiasm come out in in his in his uh, mannerisms as well. Such a yeah. such a neat guy to talk to. And and for yeah. those wondering, uh, Chaka Soul Traders is C H O C O S O L. Thank you. Traders dot com. Yeah. Yep, and there's tons of information on there. And honestly, you can order any of them, and you'll refine your tastes to what it is. I have tried his uh the chocolate with no sugar in it Mm -hmm. and i did it 
I did it once and I remember trying it going, oh God, I'm never eating that again. Cause there was, there is no sweetener in it at all. But I loved when he said that the bitter, the bitterness there sort of like primes your taste buds yep. for what's next to come. And I even think Marie was talking about putting, uh, putting chocolate into tomato sauce or something like that. Like she yep. puts it into all sorts of recipes, which really, really just make it incredibly rich. So I just wanted to kind of finish off this episode and highlight a few more of the health benefits. Michael did a great job of bringing uh, bringing a lot of that in. But really, when you're going for this dark chocolate, no matter whose brand it is, but of course, um, Michael's is the one that I eat, so I can speak to it a little bit more. But research does actually show that a, a really a rich cacao, so like 70%, maybe a little bit more than that, can act as a mild antidepressant by boosting your serotonin levels um, and have a calming effect. It helps to release endorphins like those ones that you get when you go and exercise and elevates your mood and suppresses your levels of cortisol, which are your stress-related hormone. And no, just because I said it can you know, help release endorphins. That doesn't mean swap the chocolate for the gym, just in case your mind went there. Uh, I know that Chris, sometimes I say things and you just completely flip it around <laughs> and then just go, Oh, is that what you just said? I do not. Do, I do nothing of the sort. I am literally yeah. taking you for your word words and then you're <laughs> reorganizing them in a way that you like to hear it. So that the order that they came out of my mouth in is to your benefit. Ah, details, details, details. Exactly. Whatever. Right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so dark, dark chocolate also benefits your skin. Typically, you know, if someone comes to me with acne or skin issues, I'm saying ditch the chocolate. But there's a micro mineral called manganese in chocolate, which supports your production of collagen. And that protein helps keep your skin looking younger and healthier. And we talked all about that in episode 46. Call it, uh, that episode was called Collagen 101, where we did a deep dive into that. There's also other minerals in chocolate like calcium, when that helps to repair and renew your skin, which is pretty important because we shed about 40,000 skin cells every single day. There's even talk about the high levels of antioxidants in dark chocolate that may protect your skin from the powerful UV rays that are emitted by the sun. Now, I'm not saying melt it and put it on your skin, and I'm also not saying use this as UV protection, but it just shows that when you've got the antioxidants in there, we've got the nutrients in there, then it's just protective to every single cell in your body. And I thought it just kind of good to finish off with uh, with some of the great reasons to enjoy chocolate and experience it because it is pretty much a superfood in its own right. But when you're buying the right kind of chocolate. Okay, so Michael has offered you to our lovely, loyal listeners a tremendous giveaway this Day of the Dead chocolate sculpture. You'll see on social media and then also in the show notes on leannephillipson.com. It is just beautiful. And you can enter to win this. Now, you do need to be local because you're going to go pick it up from his slightly West Toronto location. So head to sproutright.com forward slash chocolate. Now that will take you right to where you're going to put in your name, email address, and I think maybe your phone number just so we can get in touch with you and say, hey, you won. This is fantastic. Now you need to enter by November the 14th, 2021, just so that you know if it's past that date because you're listening to this a little later on, then that will be closed at that point. Now, with all that said, I'm going to go nibble some of my pumpkin seed chocolate, savor it as it melts, just as Michael mentioned, and Marie taught us in episode 49. But before that, I want to say, hey, have you subscribed to Eat This with Leanne? It's best, the, just the best way so that you don't miss an episode. Also rate it with five stars so that others know how much you enjoy it, how much you're learning, how it's enriching your life, and they'll be more likely to take the time to try out one of those episodes. So go ahead and share, share, share. But of course, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. <laughs>